Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer and the host of Funding the Dream, and this is episode 48. And I want to give a shout out and a thank you to some of my backers of my Funding the Dream podcast Kickstarter project. So a thank you to Sanhuesa, Matt Litson, Gozer Games, which has their own Kickstarter project about to come out, Maria C., my very dear friend, Danita Zonre, who was very generous with her donations, and Howard Taylor, another dear friend, Gary Thornock. I love that name. Sounds like a good, strong Klingon name. Angela Hickman Newman, Noonan, sorry, Angela, Kent Rice, Tom Razo, Gary Henson, and my friend, Theron Daniel Huffman, or as I know him, Tokyo Dan. So thank you to those backers who made Funding the Dream episode, uh, excuse me, Season 3, which is what we're in the middle of, possible. In this episode, I have invited a guest who had a very unique experience in the Kickstarter universe. Uh, I've invited John Karras. John is uh, an IT administrator in the Sacramento area, and he is the owner of LittleRubberGuys.com. And uh, John is a toy collector, and I've invited him here on the show because of his very unique experience, which I'll explain in just a minute to my listeners. John, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So let's tell our listeners kind of what happened. John, I invited you because it came to my attention that you recently had a Kickstarter campaign, right? Correct, yes. What, what a was very that? successful Kickstarter a very successful. <laughs> what was that called? Rise of the Beasts. Rise of the Beasts. And what was the, what was the project? Um, it was a new toy line, uh, similar to the old Battle Beast, uh, but kind of revamped and uh, body style, kind of like He-Man. Think of you know He-Man meets Thundercats meets, meets Battle Beast. It's you know for for toy collectors and uh, possibly even you know kids at some point in time if it. And how big are these little uh, toys? Um, initially, they were planned to go 60 millimeter, with plans down the road um, to go with a GI Joe size, which is like three and three quarter inch, and then He-Man size, which is between six and seven inches. Uh, 60 millimeter, I think, is about two and a half inches. So you uh, you did a Kickstarter pr- project to manufacture and create these three to six inches little guys. Correct. Yes, right. to get the the first series out. And you've been you've been uh, involved with these little guys. Uh, toy collecting for quite a few years, right? I want to say probably about 10 years, maybe a little longer. Okay. And and uh, we had talked earlier, you have a fairly uh, respectable collection of of uh, figures. Yeah, much much smaller than it used to be, but but still a, a little obsessive, I'd, I'd have to say. How big is it? How many how many pieces do you have? Oy, uh somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000. Um, and that's a smaller piece. Uh, you that, you what happened to the rest of them? Uh, at, at some point they're just too many to actually put out and display and, you know, enjoy. So I made the decision that, you know, I really needed to just get rid of them because if they're just sitting in boxes, they're doing me no good. That had to be a lot of boxes. Uh, you just stick it in the back of your car. No, 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 no. I've got, I've got an office that I, that I, that I can also use at 400 square feet that I can, you know, store stuff in as well. Okay. So, but at some point it was, it was pretty full. <laughs> so our listeners are intrigued because uh, something happened to you. You had a very successful. You raised. Um, you had successfully pledged seventeen thousand, just shy of seventeen thousand dollars for your Kickstarter campaign. And you were how much were you asking for? Um, initially, we were asking for eleven thousand, and then you know we hit that goal and tried for fourteen, and hit that goal and tried for seventeen, and we were we were just shy of seventeen. And how uh, how long did your campaign run for? 
Uh, 30 days. 30 days. So a 30-day campaign. You've raised $17,000. Everything looks great. And then within the five minutes of your campaign funding, so as the clock ticks down, I've, I've done a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign. We've all kind of done the click, click, click. Uh, five to three minutes down, what happened? Well, we, we were sitting on a, a decision. We, we had gotten some information the night before from the factory that had, you know, for two months been promising that they could deliver. And uh, um, news basically that night that I had found out early that morning before the Kickstarter ended that they couldn't do them exactly as we had asked them to and had promised to the people on Kickstarter. So short of another factory coming through that we were working with, which didn't come through in time, there was really no other option but to, to click the cancel button. And cancel all the pledges. So the night before you get an e, so you've been working for months with these folks, and the night before your project is about to fund, you suddenly get an email from the manufacturer that says, "Oh, sorry, oops." Yeah, they they basically you know came back and says, you know, we can't do the figures that small. We're gonna have to do them you know another thirty three percent larger, and well, that, there wasn't enough. Right. I mean that doesn't that doesn't work because you you go in with specs, you got plenty. And so you had to hit the button that said cancel on all of that success, hundreds, you know, a couple of hundred backers, all that money. That couldn't have been an easy decision. No, no. It, well, it was an easy decision in that there was really no other option. Um, you know, there was a lot of other people's money that I wasn't willing to take any risks with. So the, 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 the decision to cancel was an easy one, but it was a very tough situation to be in seeing that, you know, we'd hit the funding and, and, and then some, I mean, it originally was planned for 11 and we were just shy of 17 and then having to just, you know, click cancel and let it all go into the ether. Oh, that must've been, that must've been tough. Now you, I mean, this isn't like, it's not like you didn't know what you were doing. This wasn't the first time that you had done something like this, right? No, no, we, we I've been, you know, involved in, you know, the, the, the toy online toy community for years and, and worked with other people that have put stuff together and even, you know, put some stuff together myself. Um, this was the first time though, dealing with, you know, a factory in China versus someone that I'd known for years or, you know, that had, a, a, you know, that I knew personally, this is the first time dealing with an actual factory overseas. And what was, what was different? I mean, so, so what you're saying is that you've been involved with some other projects you said with some people before. So you'd kind of gone through the process, creating these, sculpting these, um, all the different uh, requirements there. What was what made it different about being in China? Um, I think not knowing you know, the, the factory that we were working with. We were working with you know had had a an ex, uh, reputation you know a really good reputation of doing smaller figures, um, but I think them when they when they got down to it, the figure was just more than they could handle at that specific thing. Um, it was just God, I'm rambling here. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. So, so let me let me just ask the question in a different way. Then, um, it wasn't just you just picked these guys randomly. No, we we had done a lot of research and, and went through well over a dozen different factories um, and looking, and they all said they could do it. They all gave us different price ranges. Um, this factory came back with one of the better price ranges, um, but they had the the better reputation, of, the longer reputation of you know, the, the lower priced ones that we were looking at. Um, but even before that, we had been looking at um, local places that could, you know, actually cut the molds for us direct from the 3D files. And um, 
had hit you know a few snags there and so the the hiccups that we found with them we made sure that you know with these factories that we were taking a, a second look at to make sure and go over that with them you know we're sure you're you're certain that you can do this you know there's not going to be any problems and you know went over the issues that we had with the with the uh, machine shops and, and they said oh yeah no problem we can definitely do it look we've done this this is what we're doing now and so there was no no even inkling that that they would come back last minute no red flags have, no nothing so no red flags yeah no 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 i no um idea that they would have last minute tooling issues and and let's talk about that just for clarification because this is kind of outside the scope of uh, many of what my listeners um, are experienced with what you said was you said you went to some local people and when we talk about local are you talk, you're here in the states here in north america what does local mean north america um u.s and canada um Different machine shops, because basically what we had was we had you know an idea for the figure, and we had the 3D masters of the figure, and so we gave that master to the machine shops and said, hey, you know, how much are you going to charge us to cut a steel mold for this? And they initially came back and said, oh, it's going to be this much, and then after actually running their running through their machine and, and getting the tool paths generated, said, oh, well, you know, it's going to take a lot longer, it's a lot more detailed, we're going to have to charge this much, and the prices that they were giving us just weren't cost effective um, for the line. So when we, after, you know, going through six, seven, maybe more, maybe less, somewhere around there, um, different machine shops and, and getting pretty much all the same answer from them, you know, we made sure that all these issues that they had as far as it taking longer and costing more, that we brought those up with the factory in China. And for them, it was no problem because they were actually going to re-sculpt the figure by hand. And, you know, the concern there was, well, it's not going to look like the original but they had shown us some other samples that not only stuff they had done, but stuff they were actually working on, and uh, that pretty much assuaged our fears right there. So you're, you go into the situation. You've got basically references. They're giving you work that they've done. They've got a good reputation. You've already identified previous problems because you've talked to these uh, other machine shops here in, in North America, you know, people where you can communicate with them uh, in the same time zone sometimes, and you're able to say, okay, here are the issues. You brought up these issues. They just said, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, and as you tell me the story, it makes me think, what would have happened if they hadn't gotten back to you for another 24 hours? Oh, man, that would have been a nightmare. Um, the, the project would have funded. Um, I'm not sure how Kickstarter or Amazon payments works i know in pretty much immediately after it funds they start charging the cards i don't know if they have a mechanism in place to actually reverse all that before you actually take hold of the money um but had that not happened say say that they funded and there was no way for them to refund the cards factory comes back basically we would have had to turn around and refund the people and we would have been out the 10 percent that you know kickstarter and amazon take um and so that would have had to come out of our pockets well, speaking of coming out of your pockets, um, you didn't. You, this Kickstarter project wasn't funding. I mean, you've kind of funded part of this. How do I rephrase this? You came into this Kickstarter campaign not because you needed the money to bring out a line of toys, but because you saw Kickstarter as an opportunity to, to bring out more than what you were already planning. You were already putting your own money into this, right? Correct. Yeah, we had we we spent you know a a good sum not only in getting everything lined up but also getting the first um, figure done at that at the factory that came back with the tooling issues at the end there, um, and so the the it wasn't whether or not that we would be able to get the line out. It was whether or not we would release the line one figure at a time by funding it ourselves, or 
to go ahead and see how kick, it went on Kickstarter. And if that was successful, then to being able to bring out the, the entire first series at once versus just, you know, piecemealing it one at a time, you know, every three, four months. Okay. And so it sounds, so, I mean, this is, in some ways it's, it's kind of mind boggling because everybody worries about, uh, about fraud and deception and duplicity on these Kickstarter projects because you basically, you're giving somebody money, they're trying to do a project, and sometimes you wonder, okay, uh, you know, do these guys know what you're doing? In this case, yeah, you knew what you were doing. You, I mean, it sounds like you'd gone through the process, very thorough, everything, but it sounds like there was one piece, and I guess that's the piece that we give back to the listeners. What was that one piece that, you're, that hindsight says we should have done something, one thing different, and what was that? We should have waited until we actually had a physical sample in hand before we even started the Kickstarter. Reason being that we would have known 100% for sure that the factory not only said they could do it and had experience doing figures that are similar, but they could do the exact figure that we wanted in the exact scale and had a sample in hand before even you know attempting the Kickstarter. Uh, hindsight obviously is twenty twenty, and uh, after talking to you extensively about this, I mean the, the confidence level was very high, right? And 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 then you also get caught up in the excitement of wow, this is going to allow us to do so much more. Here we were already down, going down this path, but look how we can accelerate this process, and and isn't this cool? Correct. Yeah. I mean, and and what what the factory did to us basically was like, like say you go to you you've got a business and you go to your taxman and say, hey, I've got this business. You know, can you do my taxes? And he says, oh, yeah, I do businesses all the time, big businesses, small businesses. And then he gets halfway through it, and you've already given him your money. And he says, you know, I'm going to have to send you somewhere else for that. Otherwise, you know, we, we can do everything but your business or but this aspect of your business. I mean, you've got someone who's who's got a, a solid reputation doing stuff exactly like you want them to do, only to have them come back and say, you know, we can't do it exactly like you want it. We can still do it, just not exactly like you want it. And for us – you know, with promising the people, you know, what they, what we were promising them, it, it, you just can't, you can't do that. It's no, there's no bait and switch there. That's just crappy. And then that's interesting because you, you did already, and we didn't mention that. You just kind of use that in your example. You sent them the money, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Because we were, we were at a, you know, 99% confidence level and the amount of money we sent to them, you know, we were confident that we weren't going to get hosed and that they were going to provide a, a quality product. Um, you know, because of all the research that we had done, um, so we felt confident enough to send them, you know, fifteen hundred bucks. It was, was fourteen fourteen hundred bucks, but I mean, to send them that much money and not really have to sweat about it. But and and let's be clear, um, you didn't, you weren't, um, you weren't frauded out uh, out of any of your money. Um, you're getting a product back. <laughs> yes, it's just going to be larger than than what they had said originally. Basically. They said that they could do it at 60 millimeters, and they came back and says, you know, that's too small. We can't keep all the, quality, the detail on the mold. We have to do it at 80 millimeters. Is that okay? We'll do it. No extra cost to you. You know, we'll go ahead and do it. Yeah, so you're going to have a product, and, and that product's going to be available. You've paid for that. That's going to come. Now, you and I have talked about this, that honestly that this whole thing probably would have just blown over. And yeah, you clicked on it, and yeah, it was a big uh, cancellation. Yeah, it was at the last minute, but um, it kind of took on a life of its own afterwards. And you want to talk about that? I, I I feel bad asking about it because it wasn't a very it wasn't a very pleasant <laughs> well, it's, it wasn't it's, a very it's, pleasant it's, experience. It's it's an integral part of the whole um, rise of the beast. You know, it's it's what happens. So 
So having to cancel at the very end, you know, I was talking to my, my buddy Glenn over at Plastic Imagination and, and asked him, you know, okay, so what are we going to say? Because we got to tell him what's going on. And so his whole take was, you know, let's just, you know, they don't need to know about the hiccup. You know, nobody's being charged anything, so they don't need to know about that. We'll just let them know that we've got this other stuff going on and, and the figures will come out. You know, we're just not going to have to take their money because, you know, we now have these other avenues coming up because we had an, a, another factory that was, you know, possibly going to be able right. to do it for smaller that we, you know, we're still keeping, you know, not trying to put all our eggs in one basket basket. Um, and so his whole focus was let's put out all the positive and, and none of the, the size hiccup. And I told him, I said, look, you know, we've got to put that out because, you know, the, they need to know, you know, you're getting the rug out pulled out from underneath them, you know, last minute like this. They're going to want to know. Well, no, let's just do the positive. So I went ahead and acquiesced when we, we put out the uh, the spin piece that Glenn wrote, wrote up saying, hey, you know, we've got some great opportunities coming and and this and that. And, you know, and, and obviously. How, and you know, how'd that go over? That went over like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I mean, it was it was horrible. People started jumping to a bunch of conclusions, thought that some investor had come in and bought out the line and they felt used and this and that. And it just, it blew up. And so I, I, I went back to Glenn a little later and said, look, man, I said, I got to tell him what happened because if I don't, you know, it's just going to get worse. I says, I, I got to let him know what happened. We should have done this initially, you know, and you know, I'm going to go ahead and if I don't hear back from you, I'm going to go ahead and, and put the information out there and, you know, you can be mad at me for a while and I'll just deal with that. You know, so I, I did a, a, another update and said, look, guys, here's what happened, you know. The factory came back, said they can't do it the same size that we promised you. So there was really no option. Um, we're working with a few other avenues right now. So things are looking very good. Um, but as far as doing a 60 millimeter through this factory, it's not going to happen. There wasn't enough time to get back to you guys and say, you know, hey, do you mind right. a larger figure or not? You know, there just wasn't any time. So we, we had to cancel. And, you know, putting out the, the half truth initially was was just really bad. Not you bad. Know, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> brain fart, lapse of judgment, whatever you want to say, I shouldn't uh, acquiesce to, you know, the, the all positive because, you know, it, it's, it's not honest. It's, it's half of the, 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 the scenario. I mean, given both halves of the scenario, people would react differently and, and, you know, but just giving them the positive, all positive, you know, it's just like, you know, politicians do that. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, and, and I think that that's a great, uh, a great way to end is that, um, because if somebody else finds themselves in a situation that you were found yourself in with only a, I mean, you only had minutes. I mean, you were trying to, you know, we've talked to, there's a lot of details we haven't gone in here, but you, you were trying to do so much and making that decision at the last minute. I think you've given them some really good advice. And I think the advice that you just shared was, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to do something like that, just take your beating up front because it'll, otherwise it'll be a lot worse. Correct. And yeah, and be a, be a hundred percent honest. Don't, don't try to, you know, hide any of the small details. Cause had we come out and said, you know, look guys, here's what happened. You know, the factory said they're going to make it bigger. They can't make it smaller. We don't have time, but we've got all this other great stuff going on. So don't fear the, the line's still coming out. People would have reacted totally differently yep. versus just putting out this, the, the half of it and people jumping to all sorts of conclusions and, you know, getting all in a uproar. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know it wasn't a pleasant experience, but I really appreciate you being on the show. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Thanks for having me on the show. You've been listening to Funding the Dream uh, with John Karras. John uh, had a Kickstarter project called Rise of the Beasts that uh, after $17,000 of successful funding, he had to cancel with three minutes to go. 
And uh, he is a toy collector, and you can find more information at littlerubberguys.com. Um, that's where John can be found blogging and talking about toys. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Funding the Dream, the Game Whisperer Kickstarter podcast. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and I appreciate you listening. Be inspired. Go out. Do your own project so we can find it on Kickstarter and help you fund your dream. Take care. <laughs>